Throughout this past summer, we've been studying the book of Proverbs. We've been looking at Proverbs, uh, looking at the wisdom that Solomon recorded for uh, his son, recording the, the wisdom that he gave for you and I. We, we call this series uh, Wisdom for Living, and we wanted God's practical wisdom for all these practical areas of our life. And as we've looked at this summer, as we looked at all these messages, all these uh, things dealing with wisdom, now there's been some areas that there's been lots of warnings. Warnings about uh, caution for this, warnings about this. There's been uh, challenges. You need to be doing this and that. And so just a, a recap as we look through this series of all the things we've heard, we talked about the fear of the Lord and how that is truly the center of uh, beginning of wisdom. That if you want to have wisdom, you've got to have the fear of the Lord, which the fear of the Lord means that we allow God to be the center of our life. That God is the, the engine that drives our life. He's first and foremost, and everything else is peripheral to God and our relationship with him. We talked about our words, and we were given that encouragement to use our words to give life to the people around us, to build and encourage those around us. And we were warned against angry and hurtful words that will tear down the people around us. We talked about our friends. We talked about friends, and we said, if you show me your friends, I will show you your future. Uh, Because the reality is, uh, you will begin to look like the people that you're around. And so we talked about, we talked about having good influences around us. And Jake did a great job communicating how we ourselves can be a good friend to the people around us. What it looks like for you and I to be a good influence. We dealt with, uh, we dealt with money. We dealt with financial principles that we could actually experience a financial freedom to live the way that God called us to live, which is through generosity. And so we had this challenge to work hard. We had this warning against laziness and, and being uh, uh, a sluggard. We had this challenge to live within our means. And we had this warning to avoid getting into deep debt. And this was what we learned on, on financial uh, principles. We talked about seduction. We talked about how there's these temptations in the world. And this specific application was temptation towards uh, impure, improper sexual relationships, adultery. But we also said that seduction seduces us in many different ways beyond just uh, physical uh, sexual intimacy. It, the, the world is constantly berating us and trying to say, hey, come and live our way. And this is a form of seduction. And we said we need wisdom to be able to tell the truth between what's true and what's a fake. We dealt with uh, how to make wise decisions. Jim Herring taught this message. And said that for us to make wise decisions, our, our, our thought process, our decision making has to be grounded in God's word. We've got to be willing to, to seek God's direction for where we are in our life. And we said we have to be very cautious not to go by our own, under, our own understanding. In fact, there's that verse that says the heart is desperately wicked who can know it. So we've got to trust God. We talked about work. We talked uh, the warning against sluggardness again about being lazy. We talked about instead uh, being challenged to work with diligence. We talked about exchanging our excuses for execution. Uh, we talked about the goal. Uh, the, the, the challenge is that we would have excellence and not just advancement. And in the last couple of weeks, we've dealt with uh, family relationships. We dealt with marriage. And we said a, a strong marriage is cultivated when both couples are working together for the common goal. Both couples are submitted to working together. And we dealt with parenting and said successful parenting looks like intentional premeditated decisions that parents make uh, on behalf of their kids. 
as I think about this series, I think about all the things that we heard. Like, isn't this why we're at church? Is this why we come to church? Because we want what only God can do for us. I think, I think we're at church because we want to grow. I think we're at church because we want to change. I think we're at church because we want to grow closer and have a closer relationship with God. But I'll be honest, as I think about what we've learned this summer, we're at the end of the series. Man, uh, as I look at all the things I'm supposed to be doing, man, I'm struggling. Right? Anybody else in that spot where you're like, yeah, I hear this. This is what my marriage is supposed to look like. But I'm here and I'm like, man, it's, it's not quite there. I hear this talking about financial freedom and, and having all these financial. And man, I, my finances are a mess. I hear about this talk about, about parenting. And, and man, uh, sometimes parenting is kind of like you're just throwing a dart and hoping to hit the target, right? And so I kind of come to the end of the series. And I'm like, man, I'm trying. But it seems like I'm failing. It seems like, if I'm going to be honest, I, I would probably be disqualified from God's grace. I'm probably disqualified from God's blessing in my life because I know, I hear all these things. I know these things are things I should be doing, but man, it's so hard to to put them all into practice in my life. But here's here's what I want you to know this morning is that if you're in that situation, you're thinking, man, there's all these things I need to be doing and I kind of feel like I'm a failure because I'm not doing them all great. Listen, failure is not a deal breaker with God. Do you understand that? That your failure is not a deal breaker to God. In fact, there's only one thing that's a deal breaker to God. Proverbs 132 says, The complacency of fools destroys them. The complacency of fools destroys them. Listen, if you're looking at all the way that you know you're supposed to live and you're saying, man, I'm struggling. Listen, you haven't wasted your life. You haven't wasted God's grace on you. The way that you will waste your life is when you say, you know what, it's okay. I'm okay with the way I am. I'm okay with, I'm satisfied with how I am. I'm just going to be complacent. Or when we begin to believe, man, God, I can't change. Man, God, there's no hope for me. Man, God, I'm never going to get all this stuff figured out. I'm never going to be like this person. That is when we begin to waste our life. It's when we start believing that God can't do something. And that's why I'm excited for today's message. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to sum up the entire book of Proverbs through this message today. Uh, and, and the message title is Searching for God's Blessing. And really, this is a, a revival chapter. Now, revival, when I say a revival chapter, I want to clarify, like, you can't program God. You can't, you can't put God into a box and say, okay, God, now you're going to bring revival. I think it's funny when churches put revival happening now at our church this weekend. Come check it out because you can't program God like that. But what we can do is, I think, Proverbs chapter 2 is kind of like the psychology of a revival. Kind of like, listen, if you want that change, if you want to find that sanctification, that growth, if you want to find that peace with where you are, you want to find that renewal to God, chapter 2 is going to give us some foundations and the atmosphere for which God works and operates. For how it's going to do the groundwork for God beginning to do a, a change in our heart. That's what chapter 2, chapter two is going to point us to. And what it's going to challenge us to is to uh, change our mentality. Change our mentality from complacency. From acceptance of just, this is just the way I am. And it's going to challenge us to renew our faith. To have hope. To have belief and faith and trust that God can and will change us. So as we look in chapter 2, 
And we're going to read a couple of these verses together. I want you to notice a couple of things. When you're reading the Bible, one of the things you want to notice is you want to notice some of the words. And in fact, in this chapter, there's uh, these if-then statements. If you read this chapter, you're going to see several times uh, Solomon says, if, if this happens, then here's the result. And when you see it in the Bible, those are things you need to pay attention to because he's kind of given us, uh, again, this isn't an exact formula. These are proverbs, not promises. But he's kind of saying, listen, listen, if this happens, there's a good chance this is going to be the result. And so uh, this is what God says to us today. Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My son, if, underline that word, if, If you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if, again, circle the word if, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. And you see it again, verse four. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. This is, listen, if we do these things, look at verse five, then here's the result. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Drop down verse 9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. And see, what Proverbs, what Solomon wants us to understand is if we do something, then there's a result that comes for us. And what this chapter is all about is if we will search after God. If we will pursue God wholeheartedly. If we will search for wisdom. Then the result is that God will prepare us for real life. God will prepare us to face things that we face every day in real life. Now, I know there are some of you, you've been in church a long time, and you're saying, hold up a second, Pastor. That sounds like legalism. Sounds like you just said, if I do this, then God owes me this. Some of you are saying, you can't earn God's grace. God's grace is not, uh, you're saying, how can God's grace be conditional? And I would say to you, how could God's grace be, not be con- conditional? I mean, we don't deserve God's grace. We don't earn God's grace. There's nothing we can do to, to earn God's grace. And so God's grace is conditional on God alone. On God extending it to us. On God giving it to us. And we know that. And if we understand that, then why don't we do everything we can to pursue And to put ourselves in a situation where we could experience God's grace. Because I think that's what this chapter is telling us. I I would tell it like this. A couple weeks ago, we had some friends and they were going to come over and we were going to go look at the shooting stars. And so that afternoon, I was outside working in the yard and my glasses, uh, this happens. Uh, Sometimes you grow a little bit older and I now have to have glasses to see clearly. All right. And so if you see me driving without my glasses... Uh, it's okay. I I don't have to have them that bad, but, uh, I'm outside working my glasses. They get smudgy. There's some water spots on it. There's some dirt on there. And we go out with our friends. We go up in the mountains and we're looking at the stars and I'm kind of like, man, I can't, I can't see very clearly right now. Like my glasses are a little bit dirty. Now wisdom, my wife and my friends would say, Hey, you know what you should do? You should take your glasses off and clean your glasses. Now I would object and say, well, that's legalism. that's legalism. You are telling me, hey, if I want to experience this, you have to do something to experience it. But I think we'd understand that's not legalism. That's wisdom. 
Wisdom is saying, hey, if you want a shot at seeing the shooting stars, take your glasses off and clean them. Legalism is thinking that I can do something to make God pay attention to me. Whereas what Solomon wants us to understand is when we are searching after God, when we are pursuing him, when we are searching for his wisdom, when we are are seeking after that wisdom, it's just like taking our glasses off and cleaning them. We are putting ourselves in a position for God to work. Putting ourselves in a position, hey God, would you step in and allow us to see your beauty here and now? And you see in this in this chapter, you see Solomon talking, uh, and listen to the verbs that he uses. Verses 1 through 4. Listen to these verbs. He says, if you receive my words, if you treasure up my commandments, if you make your ear attentive, if you incline your heart to understand, if you call out, if you raise your voice, if you seek it like silver, if you search for it, Okay, do you see what Solomon's trying to get across? Do you see the point here? I don't think that, I don't think that wisdom is our, is our default setting. I don't think that searching after God comes naturally to us. I don't think that wisdom is something we get just by drifting by or being complacent. I want you to understand, I want you to, to capture that he's talking about being intentionally motivated to pursue, to seek, to search after. That that change that we want to experience in our life, that the growth we want, that the sanctification, that the closeness to God, the maturity in our faith, these things that we want, why we are at church, they don't come by us being neutral. They don't come by us just being satisfied with where we are. They don't come just by growing older. These things must be searched for. They must be pursued. And as we've had this opportunity this summer to talk about wisdom. Listen, if you want wisdom, it's not just going to come to you. You've got to search after it. You've got to pursue it. And when we say that, come to church, go search for wisdom. The question is, well, where am I supposed to search? I mean, the world is huge. Where do I search? I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to answer it today. A couple different areas about where we are to search for God's wisdom. Uh, First place to search is the word of God itself. Verse 1, Solomon says, accept my words, store up my commands. He says, verse 2, listen closely, direct your heart to understanding. He says, listen, listen, you need to accept my words. You need to store up my commands. You need to treasure these things. Now, I know some of us are saying, well, the Bible was written a long, long time ago. But it is still relevant for us today. It is still God's guidebook to lead us down the path of of wisdom. I mean, uh, the power of God's word. James 1.21. I love this. James says, receive with meekness the implanted word. The word of God, which is able to save your souls. Do you understand that the word of God is that powerful? That the Bible has the ability to save your soul. I mean, just thinking practically... Uh, here's a little story from my life this past uh, couple weeks ago. We've, as we studied the book of Proverbs, the challenge has been, hey, I want you to read a proverb a day. There's 31 days in most months, and there's 31 chapters of Proverbs. So read a proverb a day. It'll do you good. So I've done that myself. And uh, this past month, uh, uh, August 21st, I happened to read Proverbs 21. I read it in the morning. 
I felt good about my day. I'm going about my day. As my day went along, man, I got into this conversation with a guy that upset me. I got in this conversation with a guy, and I'm like, he is so wrong. He is, and it hurt. And, and I find my flesh, I find my blood pressure, I find my face turning really red. Like, I'm ready to let you have it. I'm going to unleash the beast on you, and I'm going to just tell you how wrong you are. I'm going to put you in your place. But I had to think about what I read this morning. Proverbs 21 23 says, the one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. How many of us would be good for us to memorize that verse right there? Right? And I had that reminder that, listen, if I speak when I'm angry, most of the time that's unproductive. Most of the time that digs a deeper hole for me. And it was a reminder for me, hey, bite your tongue. Wait till you're calmer. Wait till you can actually articulate something. And I think that verse prevented a disaster because I sought the wisdom of the word of God. And that is the power of God's word. You want wisdom. You've got to be in God's word. And listen, I know some of you are saying, well, sometimes it's hard. And uh, yeah. Listen, I'm not saying you've got to sit and have 45 minutes of Bible study every day. I mean, different people do it differently. I know uh, some people, uh, what they do is they're driving to work. They put the Bible on their phone and they listen to the Bible on the way to work. Guess what? That's filling your mind with God's word. That is searching God's word, saying, God, speak to me. Give me wisdom for where I'm at today. Wisdom is found in God's word. Number two, wisdom is also found in prayer. Look what Solomon says in verse three. He says, call out for insight. Raise your voice from understanding. James 1.5, another uh, uh, verse that applies to this. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to you. Do you know what prayerlessness causes? When we live lives and we aren't consistent in prayer, you know what that causes? It causes us anxiety and worry and fear. Because when we're not accustomed to having intimate prayer with God, when something unexpected happens, when something happens, we get the phone call, we get the conversation, whatever it is, what is our first response? Anxiety, worry, fear. When we are not accustomed to praying, we begin to freak out, right? That's what we do. And, and what Proverbs is trying to tell us, what, what James wants us to know, what Solomon is telling us, is that we've got to pray. We've got to make prayer a regular pattern of our life. We've got to pray when times are good. We've got to pray when times are bad. Because when we build that pattern of prayer, when we're consistently seeking after God through prayer, what we're doing is we're building trust with him. We're building intimacy with him. And when... The crap hits the fan like it's going to do. When you get the phone call, instead of your first response being to freak out, your first response is to pray, to seek wisdom, to trust. Hey, God, here's where I'm at. God, I know you've got your hand on this. I know you know what's going on. I mean, just think of this. How many foolish decisions in your life have you made? How many errors of judgment have you made? Because you failed to pray. 
because you failed to seek God's wisdom. How many dumb decisions have we made? I mean, I love this. I love last week when we had our panel discussion and Rod was saying, hey, sometimes when you're in that conversation with your spouse and you're disagreeing, he said, I love that you've got to pause. You've got to pray and seek God and seek God's wisdom and then proceed. Because so many times what we do is because we don't have a pattern of prayer. Well, I'm just going to dig right back in and we dig this bigger and deeper hole. Instead of going and saying, God, here's where I'm at. I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. Wisdom is found through prayer. Listen, number three, wisdom is also found in associating with other wise people. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Listen, the people around you the people that you put around you, the people that you listen to, that you trust, that you spend the most amount of time with, they are incredibly, uh, unbelievably important to you. They have incredible power and influence over how you live. This is why Solomon is warning us, associate with the wise. Associate with people who are searching after wisdom. Associate with people who understand the fear of the Lord. Because listen, the people you have around you will influence you. Your life will begin to look like them. So one of the things I'm excited for this season at Restoration Church, I'm excited that we're, we're kicking off our life group signups today. Life groups are midweek groups that we meet with people in the church. Uh, I know relationships can be difficult. Relationships can be messy. Sometimes relationships with the church can be difficult. But I want, to, I want us to recognize the incredible potential that happens in community outside of a Sunday morning. In fact, one of the things that Jake and I often say uh, in the office is uh, a changed life begins on the weekend, but the process of lasting change only occurs in the community. Like you can come and hear a great message, but if you want lasting change, it only comes through community of being in relationship with people. And our life groups are beyond just Bible study. Our life groups are are opportunities where we're gathering together with one another and saying, listen, how do we wrestle through this? How do we actually live this out? What does this look like for you? What does this look like for me? There's accountability. There's encouragement. there's, there's, There's all these things. Because we're putting ourselves around people who are seeking after wisdom. We're putting around people who are seeking the fear of the Lord in their life. And there's no doubt that rubs off on you. There's no doubt you begin to gain and grow because of the people that you put around you. So I would just say, man, sign up for a life group. Some of you were in a life group last season. You're like, man, you know, I was in Kevin's life group and his, he's a little weird. Listen, you want to try another life group. There's no shame in that. Like just be in a group, be committed. Wisdom does not happen naturally. You've got to pursue it through associating with wise people. Fourth place where wisdom is found is through godly counsel. Through godly counsel. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. You want to hear a little secret desire of my heart? Little known fact, little little fact about me. I love to sing. I love to sing. In fact, when I sing in the shower... Like, I sing so good in the shower. Like, I swear that Adam Levine and Blake Shelton would both turn their chair around. 
And they would lead me to victory of the voice. Like I'd be the next American Idol. Like I know it. I, I know it. The problem is, in real life, I can't really carry a tune. Like I sound like a duck getting strangled. It's horrible. I'm fortunate though. I'm fortunate I've got a brother-in-law who, who gives me some godly counsel. And he says, Kevin, listen, keep singing in the shower, but don't ever sing into a microphone. In fact, every time I come and grab a microphone, he takes it away from me and says, no, okay? You got to have people around you. None of us are so smart that we have all the answers. Every one of us, we have blind spots. We have weaknesses. We have areas that, they, that we think we believe that we're really better than we really are. We, we believe things that are not necessarily true. We have these hiccups. We have these false views of, uh, of understanding. And listen, what God often does is he uses other people to share his wisdom. He uses people like your brother-in-law to say, listen, you can sing in the shower, but don't sing in a microphone. Listen, last week, uh, really appreciated we had this panel discussion where we had a couple of mature believers that I look up to. That I think, man, they've got some wisdom behind them. They've got some, some counsel behind them. And they, they shared us wisdom on, on marriage and, and parenting and, and relationships. But let me just ask you this. Have you sought godly counsel in your life? I mean, it, when you're looking at maybe your marriage, is there a couple that's a few steps ahead of you? A couple that's maybe been married a few years longer than you, that has been through some hardship. Have you sought them out as a mentor couple to say, hey, would you just give us some wisdom for where we are? Can we come and share and say, here's our frustration. Can you help us walk through this? Parents, do you have a couple older parents who are a few steps ahead of you that you can say, listen, here's where my kid is at. Give me some wisdom on how to deal with this, on how to handle this. Have you sought wisdom in your workplace? Have you said, listen, this is where I'm at. There's where I want to go. Can you give me some godly counsel in my workplace? Have you considered that in your own life? Listen, it is so practical. But, but it's one of the beautiful things about the church. In fact, I think that's what Titus talks about. About the older women mentoring the younger women. About the older men mentoring the younger men. Saying, let me show you. Let me, let me share the wisdom that God's given me. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to look for someone a couple steps ahead of us and say, hey, would you just give me some insight? Help me walk through this. Help me find my blind spots. And we've got to be willing to look at someone a few steps behind us and say, hey, I've been through there. Let me, let me share some wisdom with you. Let me share what I've, what I've learned. Listen, it's not just enough to seek that counsel. But are you actually open to that counsel? Because again, somebody's going to give us that wisdom. And if we habitually reject those messages that we don't want to hear, that we don't want to hear that we're wrong, we don't want to hear that you're not doing this right. If we habitually reject those messages, we are possibly turning a deaf ear to the wisdom that God has offered for us. We have to pray for discernment and pray and trust the Holy Spirit to guide us carefully into the truth. And this is what Solomon is telling us. Saying, listen, we have to search after wisdom. It's not our default state. You won't naturally just find wisdom just by cruising through life. You've got to seek after that. If you want the growth in your life, if you want change in your life, if you want to experience that intimacy with God, you've got to do these things. You've got to search. You've got to pursue after God. You've got to pursue wisdom. 
And he follows it up and says, listen, if, if you do that, if you search, here's what you can expect. Here's what a seeker can expect from God. Verse 5, chapter 2 of Proverbs, he says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Notice what he's not saying. He's not saying, if you seek after me, I'll love you more. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you seek after me, you will find me and all of my worth. You'll find all that I am. The result of, of searching faithfully after God is that we will know God personally in ways to help us and to guard us in life. In fact, there's two ways that, that God shows up when we search after him. Two results of searching after God. First one is that you will know God and you will know wisdom. That's what he said in verse 5 and 6. Verse 7, he says, then, if you search after me, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the fear of the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth, understanding and knowledge. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. See, the cool thing about Christianity, and this is good for me, is you don't have to be a genius. The cool thing about Christianity is you don't have to be a genius. You just have to be straight with God. You just have to seek after him. Because what Solomon just said is if we seek after him, then that allows us to know him personally. That we can have this intimate relationship and know him personally. Where we don't have to question where we are with God. We don't have to fear. Man, I screwed up this week. I wonder if God still loves me. We don't have to have that fear because we know him personally. We know his love. We know his acceptance. And when you know God personally, and that brings peace. That brings assurance of our position. That we know where we are with God. No matter if we're struggling, no matter if we're, we're failing, we know where we are with God because we know him personally. And that's what he's telling us. Listen, you don't have to be perfect. You just search after him and you have the benefit of knowing him. I think about Star Wars. That weird dude that died that said, I'm one with the force and the force with, with, is with me. Now, when you know God personally... It's I am with God and God is with me. And you have that assurance because you know him. You have that intimate relationship with him. And not only do you know him, but he says he gives us wisdom. In fact, it says he has stored up wisdom for us. Start thinking about this. Like, you want to be a better spouse? You want to get out of debt? You want to kill the sin in your life? Listen, you don't need, you don't need someone to guilt trip you. You don't need someone to tell you how bad you are to pressure you to change. You don't need five easy steps or, or, or seven surefire ways to, to accomplish whatever you want. What you need is wisdom. And that comes from searching after God. You want to see all those areas of your life change? Wholeheartedly search after him. Search for his wisdom. And watch what God does. Watch how God transforms and changes you. The second result, first one, if we search after wisdom, then we will know God, we'll know his wisdom. And the second result of searching after God is we will have protection and discernment. That's what he says, verse 7. He says, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity, 
guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. If you have down, verse 11 says, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. Doesn't that sound great? I want to clarify, though. Uh, he's not saying that, that bad things will never happen to you. I mean, when you look at the Bible, you look at the story of Job, you look at the Apostle Paul. In fact, you probably look at every Christian that has lived ever since Jesus was on the earth. They would say, hey, listen, bad things happen. The crap hits the fan. We live in a fallen world. But when Solomon talks about that he will be a shield for them, verse 7, he calls us a shield. The shield is a small round shield that would be carried by a soldier into a battle. It'd be something that he would be mobile. He could carry with him to block off arrows, to block off the strikes of the enemies. This was a shield for fighting, not a shield for hiding. And so as we, as Christians, as we live in this fallen world, as there's sin and all sorts of things around us, that we travel in peace because we have the shield of protection with us because God is with us. God is with us. And that doesn't mean bad things will happen, but it means they won't crush us. They won't destroy us because God is our shield and he is with us to carry us through. In fact, if I'm just being truthful, some of the people that I have admired most in life are people who have faced hardships and they've come out stronger. They face difficulty in their life. They face the cancer. They face the divorce. They face whatever it is. And because of God, not because of them, they made it through. Those are the people that I look up to. And those are the people that, that have searched after God because he's given them their protection. And they're going to face the hardships, but God carries them through. But not only is it just protection, it's also discernment. He says to give discernment. As you go on in this chapter, it talks in verse 12 about this, this evil... Uh, uh, this evil man with, with twisting words. Drop down verse 16. It talks about the forbidden woman referring to adultery. It talks about the ways of this world. Notice, when we look at the evil in our world, most of the time it doesn't come out screaming, I'm evil, right? Most of the time, it doesn't look too bad. It doesn't look and sound bad. And that's why we understand Satan. Satan is a, is a master of disguise. In fact, Satan is described in the Bible as a thief, as a liar, as a murderer, as a lion seeking to devour those whom he can. Discernment is what God gives us to be able to know the difference. Discernment is that level of protection. It gives us the ability to see through the lies, to determine, hey, what's true and what's fake. What's good and what's evil. What's from God and what's from Satan. This is discernment. That we'd have the ability to know, hey, this is something I should pursue and this is something I shouldn't pursue. And there's also this discernment to, to know between what's good and what's best. Because sometimes we settle for what's good when God's trying to give us what's best. And this is what God is saying to us today. That if we would seek after him, if we would pursue his wisdom... Man, there's this beauty that God would show up and God would, would help us through our real lives. In fact, as I look at this passage, I don't know where you are today, but I think this passage is meant for the weak people. I think this passage is meant for those of us who struggle. 
who don't have it all figured out, who sometimes feel disqualified from God's grace because we don't measure up. I think this passage is meant for you and for me. I think this passage is meant for Restoration Church. You know what Restoration Church is? A group of imperfect people following a perfect Savior. Listen, if you're a perfect person in here today, man, I'd love to shake your hand and hear about your story, but I'm not sure you belong here. Because I think most of us here would say we're imperfect. We're broken. We're struggling. We're trying to live it out. But it doesn't come naturally. This passage is for you. This passage is to give you hope that if you search after God, if you pursue him, then God will bless. I mean, Jesus said the same thing in John chapter 15. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If we search after him, listen, his blessing is available. C.S. Lewis said in his lifetime, he said, God cannot bless us unless he has us. Goes on and clarifies, he says, when we try to keep a little part of our life away from God, when we keep that little area that we say, God, I'll give you all of this, but I'm going to hold on to this. God, you can't have this. He says, we're, we're holding on to a piece of death. We're keeping ourselves from him. We're keeping ourselves from his blessing. Listen, when God calls after us, he calls for all of us. There's no bargaining. There's no bargaining and saying, well, God, you can have this portion. and I'm going to keep on to this. No, you have to say wholeheartedly, God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. That's that searching. Wholeheartedly, God, I'm, I'm following you. What is that status quo that you are afraid of? What is that thing that you're afraid to let go of? What is that thing that you're saying, God, you can have all of me except this area? Why is that so great to you? Why does that seem such a thing that you can't let go of? Who's telling you that God is a bad risk? Listen, who's telling you that you're okay the way you are? Because the way I read this passage is if we seek him, if we seek his wisdom, then God offers his blessing. How would your life be different? How would your life be different if you just gave up and said, God, I'm giving this all to you. God, I'm all in. Surrendering it to you. I'm searching after you. I'm pursuing you wholeheartedly. Restoration Church, this passage is meant to point us into a position of blessing and protection. Something that I need. Something that you need. Something that we all need. We need to know. We need to trust and believe that God is able to heal, to restore, to protect, to guide, to forgive, to redeem. Let's pray.